show already live for another episode of flipping bats we got some awesome stuff coming some brand new segments a weekly update on where we are to this point but also can we talk about what's behind me can we talk about this amazing set really quick before we get into everything this is awesome and i i was surprised today with this right over my shoulder and it was really, it was really cool. So I want to take a second to say thank you to everybody in this room with me right now, everybody that makes this happen, the design team that's behind the scenes. This is incredible and it means the world to me. This show means the world to me and everybody that puts in an effort as well. Uh, I am forever grateful. So we are here with a brand new set. It looks awesome. So let's get rolling. Another segment we're going to add this week, a team of the week, which I'm pumped about. Every Thursday episode, we're going to go around and look at a team of the week. It's a way to highlight players throughout the week that may not, may not be the best of the best over the course of a full season, but it's a good way to talk about players throughout the week. So team of the week, we got a bunch of fun stuff to get to, but let's talk about a little update from this point so far in, in this week of Major League Baseball. And the first thing that I absolutely need to talk about, because I am very passionate about this is what happened with Clayton Kershaw yesterday. Clayton Kershaw was throwing a perfect game and was pulled after seven innings. Seven innings, perfect game, 80 pitches. He had thrown 80 pitches and he was pulled. Now, the whole baseball world was talking about this. Why, why would he be pulled? Of course he was pulled. The, it ranged from all over the place. Here's my opinion. You got to let the man go back out and have a chance to throw the 24th perfect game in the history of Major League Baseball. There have been over 220,000 baseball games played in Major League Baseball. And only 23 times have we ever seen a perfect game. And now you have an all-time great, a guy that is considered a top 10 pitcher of all time, who has accomplished everything under the sun, an MVP, Cy Young Award, a World Series, plenty of all-star games. The accolades go on, but he hasn't thrown a perfect game. And now he's six outs away from doing it, and he gets pulled because it's his first start of the year. He wasn't built up. He hadn't thrown the pitches. So you pull him when he's six outs away. I struggle with this. Dave Roberts ultimately made the decision to pull him. Now let me, let me also say this. If Clayton Kershaw went into the dugout and said, hey, take me out, I'm done, fine. I wholeheartedly believe that that was not said. And we have not heard of any reason to believe that that was said. This was Dave Roberts' decision. Clayton Kershaw, being the pro that he is, just backed him up in the media and said, yeah, I, it was the right call. 
Those are selfish goals, Kershaw said after the game. We're trying to win. That's really all we're here for. I would have loved to have stayed, but bigger things, man, bigger things. Saying the right things is Clayton Kershaw. Let me tell you a fact. This isn't an opinion. It's a fact. Clayton Kershaw had a chance to throw a perfect game. He was six outs away from it when he was pulled. After seven innings, that has only been done twice in the history of baseball. Only two times ever since 1901 has a pitcher thrown seven perfect innings and been taken out of the game. The manager for both of them was Dave Roberts. He was the manager for both. Rich Hill in 2016 and Clayton Kershaw yesterday. I, I Look, I just don't understand. I don't understand, one, how you're not scratching and clawing to go back out there. I, I, I just don't understand that. I would have just gone back out on the field no matter what. But ultimately, Kershaw respects his manager. Totally understand that. Now let's talk about the, the logistics of it. He had thrown 80 pitches. He hadn't been built up yet. He hadn't thrown over 80 pitches since last year. You're six outs away. You have a low pitch count. You're Clayton Kershaw. If this was a top prized prospect, you know what? I understand. He hadn't been built up. You don't want him to get hurt. Not that you want Clayton Kershaw to get hurt. But he is Clayton Kershaw. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. And the one thing in his career that he hasn't done is throw a perfect game. Let him go back out there. You're up seven to nothing, by the way. I don't care if you have to go out there and throw lollipops. Just give him a chance. Say, hey, Clayton, I want you to be done. You were going to be pulled. But since this is a perfect game, just go out there and throw 50%, 75%. Try and get out. The second you give up a hit, or walk a guy, we're going to take you out. I don't care what you have to do. Just give him the chance to do it. He didn't get the chance. Baseball fans were robbed of the chance to see history. That's what this game is built off of. That's what the game of baseball is built off of, is moments, is history. This would have been that. This would have been a fantastic moment in history. And it was taken away. Now, I also want to say that I do understand. I understand the thought behind pulling him. I absolutely do. He's not built up. You want to win a World Series. Dave Roberts himself went on record just a couple of weeks ago and, and claimed that they were going to win the World Series. But certain situations, you just got to let your guy go. You just got to understand the moment. Go up to Clayton Kershaw look him in the eyes, and say, I want to pull you right now, but I also want to give you this opportunity to go do this. And if he says, I want to go do it, let him go do it. That's my opinion on all this. I hear you, Ben. <clears throat> but would you feel the same way if this was a no-hitter and not a perfect game? No, no, absolutely not. If this was a no-hitter, we're talking about a totally different story here. This, this wasn't a no-hitter. There have been plenty of no-hitters in history, and not to diminish a no-hitter. No-hitter is, is fantastic. It is incredible. But there have been 23 perfect games in history, and we were six outs away. You know, the Rich Hill one 
that happened when Dave Roberts pulled him a few years ago. He was over 100 pitches through seven. Well, I mean, he would have had to throw 150-plus pitches to complete that perfect game. But we were at 80 pitches here. And we're also speaking about this as if if Clayton Kershaw went back out there, he was going to get injured. That's that's just not the case. We that we can't sit here and say he was going to get injured. And and the risk, whatever it may be, he had thrown 80 pitches. He's thrown 100 plus a million times in his career. And he wasn't built up. I understand that. Let him go out. This is my whole thing here. Let him go out and just throw lollipops. And if he gives up a hit, if he walks the first batter of that eighth inning, pull him out. He's done. He's done for the day. Fantastic outing. Clayton Kershaw is back. He's one of the best of all time. He's back for the Dodgers. Wow, this is great for them. Just give him the opportunity. I completely get it. As a competitor yourself, like, what are your thought process in a situation like that? If you're on the mound, you're throwing a game like that, do you go to Dave Roberts and say, I need the ball. Do not take this from me. If I, if I, was, if I was on the mound that day, and I don't want this to seem like I, I do not know the conversation that went on in the dugout. I just don't. I'm sure there was a conversation between Kershaw and Dave Roberts. He probably said something like, hey, you're done. And I don't know. I don't know what the talk was. I know myself personally. And there's no way, there's no way I'm coming out of that game. If you're Clayton Kershaw, you are a legend. You are an all-time great. You certainly have the ability, in my opinion, to go back out there or to just say, hey, I'm going to go back out there. So I don't know what was said. Maybe he wasn't feeling good anymore. And then that's a totally different conversation. But he didn't come out and say, yeah, I, I wanted out of that game. What he came out and said was, I think the right call was made. Those are two different things. And if you really want to tell everybody what you were thinking, if you really didn't want to go back out there, you would have said, yeah, you know, it was my first start. I really wasn't feeling good anymore, um, and, and I wanted out. But that's not what's, what was said. Um, it wasn't said at all. So I would have gone back out there. There's not a, you know, I remember this story from a couple of years ago when, uh, Justin was in Detroit, and he knew that Jim Leland was going to want to take him out of the game. He knew it. So what he did was he walked down the steps at the other end of the dugout and wouldn't even look at his manager because he wanted to go back out there. That was hysterical. He still ended up getting pulled, and Jim Leland was not happy about it. Not happy. But one tweet that I saw that I wanted to mention, because I, I think it involves a totally different conversation that I do want to have was this from Jason Martinez. He said, hot take alert, but I do believe this. As a diehard Dodger fan, I would rather have seen Kershaw throw a perfect game than to win a World Series this year. Sandy's perfect game, as in Sandy Koufax's perfect game in 1965, is more discussed and remembered than the 1959, 63, 65, and 81 Dodger championships combined. So he is saying he would have rather seen Kershaw throw a perfect game this year than for his team that he is a diehard fan of to win the World Series. Which brings up the great point. What's more important, individual success 
or team success? Well, look, I, I think a big part of this, this exact scenario, is that the Dodgers won a World Series just a couple of seasons ago. In 2020, they won the World Series. They have been a great baseball team for a long time. So this begs the question of like, well, what, what do you care more about? Are you more of a fan of the players on the team? Or do you want your team to win a world championship? And I think it does matter. I don't think he says this if he didn't get to see a Dodgers World Series just a couple of years ago. I really don't. I look at a team like yours, Conrad, the Seattle Mariners, who have the longest playoff drought in all of baseball. You're telling me that a Mariners fan would rather see Robbie Ray this year, friend of the pod, throw a perfect game instead of them win a World Series? I, I'm not buying that. I'm I not could, buying that. I all. could go for three perfect games in the same season, and that still would not equate to a World Series championship, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's what matters. I think if your team has won something recently, that's still always there. You have that. You have the World Series. But it really does just bring up a, an interesting question, and a question that I would honestly have for all fans. I can't sit here right now and, and tell you, because with, with what I do, I root for players around the league. I don't have one team that I root for. I don't have one diehard team that I live and die by. So, of course, I can sit here and say, yeah, I, I want to see a perfect game. But it does bring up an interesting question. And, and according to Jason Martinez, he would rather see a perfect game. It's just, it is something that has only been done 23 times in the history of the game. And it's something that I swallow to, to be okay with. Because Dave Roberts is the only manager in history to have done this. It's only happened twice. And both times, it's been Dave Roberts pulling a starting pitcher after seven perfect innings, being six outs away. So yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this. Uh, and I do want to say, I understand taking him out. I understand the thought process behind it. But this isn't this young rookie. This isn't a guy that is, is 20 years old and you need to, to save him forever. This is Clayton Kershaw. And I think the game of baseball owed it to Kershaw to allow him to go do this. Kershaw spoke after the game about this when, when asked about it, and he said, I feel, bad for, I feel bad for my catcher. To me, that says everything you need to know. Feels bad for his catcher? Well, I, you, that, you know he wanted to go back out there. I feel robbed. I feel robbed of the attempt to watch a perfect game go down. So, yeah, pretty passionate about that. Kershaw pulled after seven innings. One of the biggest topics of the week, certainly. I think this is going to be a big topic in the game of baseball when all is said and done. But, uh, yep, that does it for Kershaw's topic. I also want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. But, but in a broader sense, tanking. Tanking in the game of baseball. Cincinnati Reds have been selling off players getting rid of guys, trading guys. Last year, they were expected to compete. The year prior, they were a good baseball team, expected to compete. 
they didn't when all was said and done. They didn't make it to the playoffs, but they still had the makings of a good team. So we get into this offseason. The lockout happens. It's done. The lockout ends. And then the Reds just fire sale. Everybody. Gone. 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 Their payroll is minuscule. This Cincinnati Reds fan base that lives and dies, Cincinnati Reds baseball, just does not have a good product out on the team, out on the field to watch. And recently, on the radio, the Cincinnati Reds owner was on, talking about this, talking about his Reds team, and was asked about the fans. What should the fans believe? Why should the fans believe in this team? Why should they watch this team? What do the fans have to believe in? And the owner's response was, in my opinion, unacceptable. He said, well, at some point, you, you got to cut payroll. We had to cut the payroll. And where are the fans going to go? Where else are they going to go? I, I, I struggle to accept that. This tweet from Keith Olbermann says, wow, in a radio interview before his home opener, this was before the home opener, Reds owner warns fans complaining about a sell-off that the alternative is moving the team, then goes on TV and basically dares them to stop rooting for his deadbeat team, which has won once since 1976. This brings up a little broader point greater than just this Cincinnati Reds team, because, you know, this is unacceptable. An owner saying that, saying to the fans, where, where are you going to go? Well, where they're going to go is not to games. They're not going to support a team. This hurts the game of baseball. The attendance for the Reds the other day was 10,976. So where are they going to go? Well, not to the ballpark to watch your team. This tweet says, I went back to 2019 due to the COVID factor last season. In 2019, the Reds only had four games with worse attendance. So he threatens the fans, where are you going to go? Well, not to baseball games. So tanking in baseball, tanking in Major League Baseball has become an issue that we've started to address. This new CBA agreement started the conversation of, of addressing tanking addressing teams with low payrolls, addressing teams that are consistently bad year in and year out. But I look at what the Oakland A's are doing as well. We're just not putting out products that are acceptable, in my opinion, as a baseball fan. Teams and owners are rathering to put out a team with to pay a guy league minimum. They'd rather have 10 guys being paid league minimum then five guys that can make a few million dollars and be good players and get your team wins. Now, do I blame the owners? Well, well, no. The owners are businessmen. Businesswomen as well, hopefully, at some point. But they're in the game of making money, and that's what they want to do. They want to cut payroll. But for this game of baseball that we all know and love so much as fans, Look at the game around us. It's so great. It's so exciting for fan bases out there, for multiple of them to not have a, a team on the field that they can root for and to have an owner saying, well, just deal with it. Like, where are you going to go? In my opinion, that's not okay. 
in my opinion, that needs to be addressed. We, there's no room for a team that is is making nothing, a payroll that is minuscule, being out there on the field. So I saw that comment the other day, and it fired me up, Conrad. It fired me up. I mean, but to your point, though, they are currently tanking, and I think that's a big part of why you feel this way, is that you've seen them kind of deconstruct a good team, and now they have still solid pieces, but nowhere to really go with it. And now they're saying, well, where are you going to go to watch your players? Well, I also think the, the problem with saying that is there's going to be fans that just leave. Like, Cincinnati Reds fans are just going to give up on a team, and it's going to take years to get them back. But that's what, that's what makes this tough. That's what makes seeing this so tough is I also understand a team going through a rebuild, tearing it down and building it back up. I totally understand that. But what I'm not okay with is, one, an owner going out and saying that. Be transparent. Say, hey, over the course of the last few years, we tried. I was all in on winning. I brought in Nick Castellanos. I brought in Trevor Bauer, who ended up doing great that year, fantastic, won a Cy Young Award. I brought in all of these names, but it just didn't work out for us. So we had that massive payroll. We had some of those guys leave. I didn't believe we could compete at the highest of levels with that team. So I tore it all down, and my goal is, and I promise this to all fans of the Cincinnati Reds, my goal is to get back to winning as soon as I possibly can. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see years of a low payroll like we've seen with the Pirates for years and the Orioles haven't been good, the Diamondbacks. I want to see an owner take accountability and say, hey, we're going to go through this in the short term, but I promise you I will give it my absolute all to get back as soon as we possibly can. Is that too much to ask? I, I don't think so. What's more frustrating in your case, a team that spends a lot of money and underperforms or a team that refuses to spend money and performs at just the major league decent level? As a fan of the game, it's more frustrating to see no money pumped into my team at all. If you pump money into a team and try and win, I can get behind that. My, my team is trying, and we're going to be better. We're at least going to be good. We're going to be a serviceable team to watch. But as a fan, I can get behind my team pumping money in, and hey, it just didn't work out. We didn't have the year we were expecting. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll try again next year. But to see teams, one, and I, I would, the problem is I don't even want to put the Reds in this, this conversation because they have been trying to win. It's what the owners said that I totally disagree with. But a team like the Pirates, I would put in there. A team that refuses to spend money year in and year out, refuses to put a good product out on the field. That's what I couldn't get behind. If the, if the Pirates pumped a bunch of money into their team, at least they have at least the fans have a team to be excited about, a team to root for, a team that they can that, that they can count on winning some ball games throughout the year. That's that's how I feel. Pump some money into it. Just don't say that. There's no room for saying that in the media. So do you think there should be some sort of penalty if owners come out and they're blatantly saying stuff like this to the public? Yes, I, I think what we have started and we're at the, the very tip of starting to address this. We need to go all in on addressing the tanking issue in Major League Baseball. We've started to talk about it. We've implemented a draft lottery now. If you're the worst team in baseball, 
you're not guaranteed that first overall pick. We need to do more. We need to go all in. There needs to be, there needs to be penalties. There needs to be a tax where, and I'm not saying one year, but if you have three years in a row where you finish in dead last or finish below a certain record, you need to pay a penalty. Absolutely. You need to be punished for continually putting out a losing product. You need to be able to pump a certain amount of teams, of money into your team. No more of these payrolls that are minuscule. That shouldn't happen. So we have started to address this. We have started to address tanking. It's time to go all in. It's time to go all in addressing the tanking issue and the low payroll in Major League Baseball. My last midweek storyline that I want to talk to you guys about is the American League East. Oh, baby, is the AL East incredible. My prediction to win the World Series, the Toronto Blue Jays, the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, this AL East that we knew coming into the year was going to be a good division, it's great. And every time those teams take the field, we're getting good baseball. The Yankees open up the year by playing the Boston Red Sox. They beat them. Then, my World Series prediction, the Toronto Blue Jays go into Yankee Stadium. They take two of three, and it comes down to the final game, the final inning. And then those are the teams you talk about, the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Toronto Blue Jays. We do this every year, and I'm tired of it. I'm not going to do it anymore. The Tampa Bay Rays are for real. They deserve to be talked about no matter the team that they have on paper. You look up, and everybody wants to talk about the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. You look up at the end of the day, and the Tampa Bay Rays are right there in first place. And if not there, they're right around it. This AL East is incredible. I want to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays, who I said are my prediction to win the World Series. What they did by going in to Yankee Stadium and winning on the biggest stage, and I don't care what you have to say, Yankee Stadium is the biggest stage in baseball. It just is. The Yankees are the Yankees. Whether you love them, or you hate them, the New York Yankees will forever be the most talked about team, the most loved team, the most hated team, and playing at Yankee Stadium, Stadium will forever mean more. The Blue Jays, who are young, who I believe in are for real, go into Yankee Stadium and take a big series. It's the beginning of the year, I hear you. But spare me the, oh, it's just the second series in the year, what does it matter? Oh, it matters. It matters for this Blue Jays team. Every time you can go in there and win, it matters. It builds confidence. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I'm wearing his shirt right now. I had to wear his shirt today. If ever there was a day to do it, it's today. Four for four yesterday. Three bombs. The dude gets his hand stepped on at first base. He had hit a home run early in the game. He gets his hand stepped on. He's like gushing blood, like legitimately gushing blood. What does he do? He stays in and hits two more home runs. He hit three bombs yesterday and a double. This team is for real. They can pitch. They shut out the Yankees at home. The first game of the series, 
The bullpen is phenomenal. The back end, Jordan Romano, is great. I believe in the Toronto Blue Jays, as you guys know by my prediction, but even more so right now. I know you believe in the Blue Jays, but I know there's also something that really scares you about this team moving forward, though, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, it's the back end of the rotation. What can you get? What can you get from them? That scares me. And and you look to start the year, everybody believed in Jose Barrios, which I do as well. The first start of the year, it was it went awful. And then he settled down and had a good game recently. But their rotation needs to be consistent. It has to be. For this team to win, that rotation has to be consistent. And I know that's easy to say, but even more so. Because you're going to have the offense. The offense will be there. Flatty Jr. is, if it wasn't for my friend Shohei Otani, he's the MVP of the league last year and very well could be this year. He won't this year because of Shohei, who I've said will go back to back. The offense will be there but the pitching staff. It needs to show up. It needs to be consistent. That's a big thing for me with this Toronto Blue Jays team. So another team in this division, the New York Yankees. I think we've undervalued the New York Yankees coming into this season. I really do. I think wholeheartedly this team has been undervalued because what we know of the New York Yankees is they will go out in the offseason and they will get the biggest prize possession there is. They will overspend and they will get it done. Well, they haven't been doing that. They didn't this, they didn't this offseason. Who did they want? Well, they wanted Freddie Freeman or Matt Olson or Corey Seager. Mostly, they wanted the guy that I just had on the podcast this week, Carlos Correa. They didn't get any of them. So the fans are obviously like, well, we're the New York Yankees. Why aren't we getting people? Let's talk about this Yankees team. You have Aaron Judge. You have Giancarlo Stanton. You have Joey Gallo in the outfield. You have DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres. The names go on. Josh Donaldson's a big piece. Anthony Rizzo. But you have players on this team, and this is what's going to make the New York Yankees frustrating to watch, but exciting to watch as well. They have the ability to get hot and go on an absolute tear because of these big names they have. We saw it last year at the end of the year. Giancarlo Stanton alone is capable of putting the Yankees on his back and making them go on a stretch for the ages. So is Aaron Judge. So is Joey Gallo when he's hot. I know Yankees fans haven't exactly seen it yet, but when Joey Gallo is hot, just hop on his back and let him take you to that next level. That's this New York Yankees team. They're good, and they're going to be really good. It's just going to be kind of frustrating to watch them throughout the year. So are you trying to tell me, do you think Aaron Judge is still an MVP caliber player Absolutely. right now? Hands down. Absolutely. He is an MVP type of player. I think he has the potential to win an MVP this year. I think he could be an MVP finalist for sure. Aaron Judge is a star in this game. Aaron Judge is a New York Yankee. The New York Yankees, one, let me say this, pay the man. Pay the man. He's number 99. He's larger than life physically and just his persona. And he's incredible. He's great. And he has shown over the course of the last Last year, he was healthy. He played a bunch of games. He played all the games. He's really good. And he is one of those guys as well 
that can put your team on his back, and when he gets hot, he can carry the team. So, yes, they didn't sign that big prize possession. Maybe they didn't need to. Maybe adding a guy like Anthony Rizzo was what they needed to do. Look at Rizzo so far this year. First two games of the year, hits a couple of bombs, hits another one just the other night. He adds a whole new dynamic to this lineup. Yes, you know the big stars are there. You know what they can give you. But if you can get production out of Anthony Rizzo like we've seen so far this year, the New York Yankees will have something to say about the division title in the AL East. They just will. When all is said and done, they're going to be really good. They're going to be frustrating. They might even strike out more than any team in the history of baseball, by the way. But that's just this New York Yankees team right now, and that's how they're going to be. Totally. But I think one thing we are also forgetting about the AL East, you mentioned at the top, we have to talk a little bit about the Tampa Bay Rays. We have to give this team some love because all they do is consistently win, 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 and they go unheard of the entire year. Win, 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 no matter what. They should make a song like that. They should. Um, the Rays, I'm not going to be the one to do it anymore. I'm not. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing the Rays undervalued. What they are doing is special. They consistently have a payroll at the bottom of the league, and they consistently are one of the best teams in baseball. I will no longer be here and say, well, this roster isn't, it's not great. Like, it doesn't compare to the rest of the teams in the division. They don't have those big stars. I'm not doing it anymore. When all is said and done, the Tampa Bay Rays will be up there towards the top of the division because they just do everything better than everybody else. And they have to. They have to get more production from everybody. Because their roster, and they won't sit there and say, yeah, our roster compares with the Yankees, it compares with the Blue Jays. They wouldn't say that. But I've had a couple of Rays on this, on this show. Tyler Glass now, Brett Phillips, Ryan Yarbrough, who I went to and played college ball with. Every single one of them say the same thing when asked, like, how do you guys do it? This organization just makes believers out of you, and they know how to get the absolute best out of every single player. And that's easy to say. Well, all organizations are trying to do that. They all try, but they're not all doing it. The Rays are so advanced analytically. I've talked to pitchers that have come over to the Rays, and they're told, yeah, hey, you've been doing this elsewhere. Cut that out. It's not working. We believe you would thrive doing this. Their analytics team is light years beyond everybody else, at least over the course of the last couple of years. I do think teams are starting to catch up, but light years beyond. The Tampa Bay Rays are legit. They will be there. Don't look at the roster. Just look at the team on the field. They're going to be fun. They're going to be really, really good and really fun to watch. And when all is said and done, Conrad and the AL East, they're going to be right there. They'll be right there in the thick of it. I love the AL East. I think they already are one of the funnest teams to watch. Just look at Brett Phillips over the past 48 hours. He comes in, pitches, gives up a grand slam, makes an all-league play as a pitcher making a catch, and then a day later has one of the best stories I've seen in baseball in years. Yeah. I mean, one, we've had him on a couple of times, and I'm hopeful to get him on more throughout this season. But 
for those of you that didn't see, I, we talked about on the last show this Brett Phillips play and him out on the mound pitching, but I wasn't able to talk about what happened that day, the day the episode came out. He hit a home run and, and before the game was talking to a little girl named Chloe that was battling cancer for the second time. While they were interviewing Chloe during the game, he hits a bomb, like the furthest ball I've ever seen him hit in his career. I played against him in the minor leagues. I've watched him professionally. I don't think he's ever gotten into a ball this much. While they were talking to Chloe, the interview is being played right here. It was just Chloe Grimes is her name, an eight-year-old, currently battling cancer, was on the call when her favorite player, Brett Phillips, hit a home run. Brett obviously didn't know that was happening, and after the game, during the interview, he was told and just let all the emotion out. I'm a big fan of emotion in baseball. I get emotional about the game of baseball. Brett Phillips gets emotional about the game of baseball. And how can you not get emotional watching that happen the other night? AL East, Conrad. The AL East, it will be great. One thing on this show that I will want to do throughout the year, we have a couple new things that we're going to be introducing. Three episodes a week. On this final episode of the week, we're going to kind of look forward to some things. We're going to do a team of the week that, that throughout the week, we're going to do a pick to click, something that I guarantee is going to happen throughout the week. We'll keep track of that. But also what I want to do is talk about some of the best series that we can watch over the weekend, give you guys a place to look. Maybe baseball is overwhelming. It happens every single day. Every single day there is a game. Where should you watch if it's not your favorite team playing? So every week, I just want to highlight some of the best series, some of the best series that we can watch. And this week, one of my favorites to watch is the Brewers and the Cardinals. Keep your eyes there. Why, you might ask? Well, the Brewers and the Cardinals are the two best teams in the NL Central, plain and simple. There's two good teams there. We get a four-game set. We get a four-game set. Set, baby, between these two, and it's going to be fun. I like this series because, one, it's going to tell us a lot. Who's the better team? And it's not to say who's going to win the division, but seeing these two teams out on the field together in a four-game set will just be fun. The first two games of the series, we get Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, two of the big three for the Brewers. So I'll be locked in on those, but later in the week, we don't get those guys. We don't get one of their three studs. So can this Brewers team compete in those games where they don't have one of those big three going? What, is, what does it look like for them when the offense will have a little more success? Can they keep up offensively? I don't know. But I'm really, I'm really excited about that series. Another one for me, the Astros and the Mariners. Now, this one is special for me because... I don't want to say special. It's not a special series. It's one I'm keeping my eye on because the Houston Astros are the cream of the crop in the AL West. They are the best team. They have been for the past few years. And in my opinion, I picked them to win the division. They still are. But the division is getting closer. The gap between the Astros and everybody else is getting closer and closer and closer. Big reason of that is because of the Seattle Mariners and what they have done. They've gone out and added Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray. They've added Jesse Winker, all star. They've added Eugenio Suarez, former all star, with all the power in the world. They've added Adam Frazier. They have young guys coming up contrib contributing Logan Gilbert, Julio Rodriguez, 
Jared Kelnick, I think, is going to have a better year than what he showed to be last year. This team, no matter how you look at it, is vastly improved. So now they get the Astros at home. They get to play them at home. What more could you ask for? You get a weekend series. The crowd will be there. You get the best team in your division that you're trying to knock off. And I say the best team because until somebody knocks them off, the Astros are the team to beat. So you get the team to beat coming to your house, to your home, and you get to show off in front of your fans what you have in a big series, big early season series. Conrad, you're a fan of the Mariners. What are you thinking there? I mean, honestly, I'm really looking forward to it. The Astros, historically, the last four, five, six years have been brutal on Seattle. But I feel like the team is progressing. They're moving along. And we get great pitching this weekend. Your brother's on the mound on Saturday. Saturday yeah. He's not going to hopefully he's fine with the flu now, but he's going to hopefully go out and have a great outing Saturday. And another guy we've talked about a little bit that's going to pitch on Sunday is Matt Brash, who has some of the nastiest stuff I've ever seen in baseball. Um, he's going to be phenomenal now on Sunday. So it should be a really good series. And I think all three games are already sold out. Seattle's going to wow. be rocking. That's great. Love that. So, yeah, that series, I'll be locked in on. I'll be locked in every single game of that series. Matt Brash, another name. This guy, if you don't know the name, become familiar. He throws Wago, and his off-speed stuff is fantastic. So this Mariners team, I talked about it earlier in the year. I'm a believer in the Mariners. I really am. I'm not a believer of them to win the division. I still think the Astros are the cream of the crop. I think this Mariners team can get into the playoffs. But a big point for me was the pitching staff. Behind Robbie Ray, what can you get? Matt Brash is a big name to keep an eye on. Gilbert is a big name to keep an eye on. But I'm pumped for this series. I know it's an early season one, but the, the stands are going to be packed. The firepower will be out. I'm pumped for that series, so keep an eye on that. Another one for me is the Braves at the Padres. You have the reigning World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, and you have the Padres, who last year, with a very similar team, were predicted by a lot of people to certainly get into the playoffs and be a World Series contender. So the Padres are off to a good start this year. The Braves are off to a little bit of a struggle. I'm excited about this series because, one, we get to watch the Braves, who are a fantastic baseball team. We get to watch them go on the road to a good team. Is this Padres team for real? Is Bob Melvin going to step in and be the manager that this Padres team needed? They have all the talent in the world. I can't wait for Fernando Tatis to come back. Man, that is such a blow to that team, to the game of baseball, that he's going to be out for probably another two months or so now. But they've proven that they're going to be a good team. Darvish and Manaya at the top of that rotation have been fantastic. Can you shut down an Atlanta Braves team that you know just rakes? So... The Braves aren't off to a great start. They, ne they need and are trying to just tread a little water until Ronald Acuna comes back, who is an MVP, perennial MVP sort of candidate. Mike Soroka, who I just had on the show a couple of weeks ago, he'll come back at the midway point. So if you're this Atlanta Braves team, it's time to start thinking about, especially if you're a fan base, if you're the fan of the Atlanta Braves, it's time to start thinking about 
we just need to tread water. We need to be fine until Ronald Acuna comes back. Because the NL East is much better. The NL East is going to be a good division this year. The Mets are really good. The Phillies are proven to be good. What can the Braves do? The Braves tread water until their stars come back. Braves at Padres. One of my other series to watch this year. But Conrad, I know we, we talked about a bunch of new segments that we have. Let's break and some out. One of them, buy or sell. So I don't even know all of these, but a, a fun segment, buy or sell. So Conrad will give me a few things that I'm either buying or selling. It can be a team. It can be a player. It can be whatever. So let's do that, Conrad. Let's get rolling with our first buy or sell segment in Flippin' Bats. All right, Ben, buy or sell the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, yeah, I love this. And we were just talking about them. I, I'm buying. I'm done selling. I'm done. Even This year especially, we were told, well, I know the Rays have been the Rays in the past, but this roster, you just you get rid of Austin Meadows, who's a big RBI guy. Like, can they still be good? I don't know. I, I'm done selling. I'm a buyer. Give me stock in the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm buying their record. I'm buying their team. I'm buying what, what they're doing in the front office. I'm buying all of it. All right. Buy or sell. Shohei Otani winning MVP this season. Oh. I think everyone's selling that stock right now. Oh, Let them sell, baby. Let them sell Shohei Otani stock. I'll buy it all. I will buy it all. Shohei Otani is the best player on the field night in and night out. He's two players in one. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care when night in and night out, Vladdy Jr. is doing what he does. He is fantastic. He might be the best hitter all around in baseball. Juan Soto might have a thing or two to say about that. But Shohei Otani is two incredible baseball players all wrapped up into one. And that one baseball player is larger than life. He's enormous. He's fast, he hits for power, he throws 100, he's polite, he's kind, he's from Japan, I love it. I'm buying all the Shohei Otani stock, baby. Let them sell it, Conrad. Let them sell it, I'll take it all. Show coin to the moon. All right, buy or sell. The Cleveland Guardians hot start, four and two currently. Sell. I am selling it. Um, I, I love watching them. I love watching what they're doing. I am a buyer of Jose Ramirez, by the way, I think he's incredible, and it's great for the Guardians to lock him up. But I am a seller on the hot start. Look, the White Sox are the best team in that division. I think when all is said and done, the Indians, the, the Guardians, that one's going to take some getting mm -hmm. used to. That one's going to take some getting used to. I think the Guardians will be a bottom team in this division. They're just not on the level of other teams. They are currently going through a little bit of a rebuild. And that's okay. But I love the hot start. I love seeing guys like Stephen Kwan come out and be a good player, announce himself on the scene. So the Guardians have started the year hot. It's fun to watch, but sell. All right, next up, buy or sell Seiya Suzuki winning NL Rookie of the Year. Um, so I actually predicted that in my NL preview show before the year started. And right now, oh, I'm buying buying all of that now he's making me look like a genius to this point three bombs bat flip to the moon i mean in the words of marcus stroman 
He's the real deal. Seiya Suzuki is the real deal, a teammate of his right now. So I actually thought it was going to take him a little bit to, to get accustomed to baseball over here in America because it is a different game. It is absolutely a different game over here. Um, I, I have really good friends that play in Japan that are still playing over there. It's been a struggle for them to adjust over there. And I just assumed it was going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him coming over here. But I still believed in him in the long term. Now I'm a believer in him in the short term. He's hitting bombs on windy days at, at Wrigley Field. Are you kidding me? God, I love this guy. Bye. All right, another one. Buy or sell these electric umpire announcements. <laughs> I'm buying. I got to see my first one in person the other day at the Astros-Angels game. Tyler Wade tags up from third. Looks like a bang-bang play at the plate. Everybody thinks he's safe. Umpire comes out and announces to the stadium and to everybody watching that the call stands, he's out. The place went crazy. The boos were loud. The boos were electric. Another one, the video's playing right now for those of you that are watching, it happened in Toronto. This was, it was one of those plays where it wasn't sure. It wasn't for certain. You couldn't exactly tell in replay. But a big play late in the game to, to decide the game in Toronto, it gets announced, and that crowd went nuts. The cameras, it was one of those moments where the cameras were shaking. That's how loud it was. We have been deprived of umpire announcements for far too long. It is here now. Major League Baseball got it right. They have given us umpire announcements. I'm a buyer in that. Last but not least, buy or sell position players as pitchers. Buy. Well, I'm one of them. I got to do it twice in my professional career. Uh, both of them went, mm, oh, if you ask my mom, she'd say both went great. If you ask me, I'd say they were okay. I threw pretty well. I threw hard. Uh, but I was a guy that, I was an outfielder. I get to come into the game, and it's just so much fun for the player. It's fun for the fans. Fans. There's more than one fan. It's fun for the fans. We got to see Brett Phillips go out there and do it. Everybody will tune in. That's why it's good for baseball. It can be a 10 to nothing ball game. But you hear Brett Phillips is on the mound? Oh, yeah, I'm going to tune in for that. I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's fun for the fans. I think it's fun for the players. I think it's good all around. If the players give up a bomb, Brett gave up a grand slam the other day. His reaction was great. It's also great for the guys hitting. It's embarrassing if you get out. But all in all, it's good. We saw an electric play from Brett Phillips on the mound the other day. Hopping off, making a sliding play by the dugout. I'm a, I'm a buyer. A lot of buys today. Only one sell. A sell of the Cleveland Guardians hot start. But a lot of buys, Conrad. This is fun. I'm going to like this segment. Yeah, let's move on to another fun segment we've been kind of working on. It's called uh, Pick or Click. Pick to Click. Pick to yeah. Click. Pick to Click. My... Uh, Look, I, I want to do this weekly. I want to have something where in every last show of the week, something that we can track throughout the year, and it's going to be on a week-to-week -week basis. So something that I predict will happen in the following week of baseball, something that will happen, whether it be a team winning X amount of games, a player hitting a home run, a pitcher doing something, whatever it may be, and we're going to keep track of it. And we're going to keep a record. And my goal is to just not lose all of them. I think that would be a great goal. But mine this week, 
my pick-to-click prediction for this week is that Shohei Otani, who's pitching tonight, he pitches tonight his second start of the year, he will get his first win on the mound, and he will hit his first home run. So my first pick-to-click of the year, it has to be Shohei. Come on. He hits his first home run of the year, and he gets his first win on the mound this year. So we'll check back. Make sure you check back next week. Keep track for me. Let me know. We'll talk about it. We'll discuss next week, and I'll, I'll come up with another one. Another segment we're rolling along with. I'm really excited about this one. Really excited. Team of the week. This is going to be a fun segment where every week I pick a player from every position that was the best player of the week at that position. We will do this weekly. We're going to have sick graphics. I'm pumped about this one because one of, you know, we have a design team and a social team that, in my opinion, is more talented than anybody else on the planet. And this allows them to show off some sick stuff. This graphic is going to be sick. Team of the week, Conrad. Yeah, I love it. Kind of think of like fantasy baseball, just the top players of each position. Let's start with catcher. Who would be your catcher of the week? My catcher going on my team of the week is Tyler Stevenson of the Reds. Off to a fantastic start, a couple of bombs, a high average. When you look at catchers, there's not a ton of them out there that are offensively, offensive-minded that you can count on at the plate. Tyler Stevenson is off to a great start for the Reds and is becoming one of the bright young stars behind the plate in the game of baseball. Tyler Stevenson, not only my first catcher on Team of the Week, but the first player ever. Love it. All right. First base. My first baseman, Vladdy Jr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Four for four in Yankee Stadium. Three bombs. The youngest player ever to do that. Ever. And it's off of Garrett Cole the highest paid pitcher in the history of baseball. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the youngest player in MLB history to go four for four or better with three plus home runs and four extra base hits in a game. Are you kidding me? What a wild stat. How do I, how do I not put him on this list? It was close, though. It was close. Shout out to Owen Miller of the Cleveland Guardians for what he has done. But Vladdy Jr. is on for this week's first baseman of the week. All right, move over to second base. Gavin Lux is my second baseman of the week for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Gavin Lux is and has been fantastic. I think the moves that have been made this year for the Dodgers allow Gavin Lux to flourish, to shine. He will get the time there to play. He will get the at-bats. He has been great. Hit a bomb last night, actually. He went back-to-back with Cody Bellinger. This tweet says, Gavin Lux has looked impressive so far in 2022. Tough, patient at-bats. Good read on the bases just now. He's doing it all. He does. He seems more relaxed. You know what? I will say this. Having a position become yours just gives you a chance to relax. Winning a position, getting those at-bats, knowing you're not going to have to fight your life off for those at-bats, 
It means everything. To me, I, I look back to my college career, and I wasn't an everyday player. And then going into my junior year, I was told, Ben, the position is yours. You're going to have that chance. No matter what happens, at least early, it's going to be yours. And I just remember a weight being lifted off of my shoulders. And whether it be a coincidence or not, that first game after I was told that, I hit three home runs in one game. It's just a relief for yourself. And Gavin Lux gets that this year. So it's awesome to see the start he has gotten off to. He is my second baseman of the week. All right, third base. Jose Ramirez, J-Ram of the Cleveland Guardians, gets his extension. In my opinion, he is one of the most underrated players in the game of baseball and has for the last few years been that. He is great. He is off to a awesome start. A few bombs. He, he signs his extension, and then he just goes off. You love to see that. This team, I don't think, is going to win the division, but you love to see it as a fan base going all in on your guy. You extend your guy, and then he repays you with just being great. What more can you ask for? Jose Ramirez at third base on my team of the week. All right, who would be your shortstop? My shortstop for the first ever team of the week is Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson was suspended for the first two games of the year, but then he comes back. His first game, the first pitch he sees, a laser beam double down the line. He's got a bomb. Look, this one was simple for me. He comes back. He immediately starts paying dividends for his team. Tim Anderson is my shortstop. So. We're going to get to outfield here, but I just wanted to clarify on my team of the week. We're not going to go like, well, this guy played left field more days of the week than right, so we're going to put him in left field. Just to make it easy, on team of the week, we will be going with three outfielders. Just the three best outfielders three of the week. Three best outfielders of the week, correct. All right, who's your first one? First one for me, Stephen Kwan of the Guardians. Stephen Kwan has been... If you haven't heard this name, one, I don't know what you've been doing. I, before the season, I know you didn't know it. But now, this guy has been incredible. He reached base 15 times to start the year in just 13 official at-bats. Now, how is that? Well, hits, but walks as well, getting on base. Stephen Kwan has become a Cleveland legend. In like five days, says this tweet from Ashley Bastock. True. Fair. Absolutely true. Stephen Kwan also went his first 58 swings in Major League Baseball. He didn't swing and miss one time. This tweet from the Guardian says Stephen Kwan is so committed to getting on base that he literally takes a base with him everywhere he goes. He took it on the team plane. 58 times he swung to start his career without swinging and missing. I used to swing and miss 58 times in a game. This guy didn't do it 58 times to start his career. Incredible. He is the first outfielder. Another outfielder for me, Seiya Suzuki. My prediction for NL Rookie of the Year. He's now on my team of the week. Chicago Cubs rookie Seiya Suzuki comes over from playing in Japan, and immediately announces himself as a stud in this league. Three bombs, 
great bat flip, electric. He has Wrigley Field rocking. He has the Cubs playing pretty good baseball, by the way. They're playing pretty good. Seiya Suzuki is on this list, off to a fantastic start. And last for me in the outfield, George Springer. Springer dingers. You love him. You love to see him. Talking a lot about this Blue Jays team. I, I, I really do love this team. Springer, the Toronto Blue Jays go as George Springer goes. We saw it last year. He was hurt a lot. But when he was in the lineup, they were great. They were fantastic. Look at this tweet. He agrees with me. George Springer is the most important Blue Jay. If he's healthy and raking, this team can't be stopped. I agree. I agree completely. And his, his year started off great. King Spring, says the Blue Jays. Go ahead, RBI last night. Ten hits in his last five games. He's batting 370 with a 704 OPS in 2022. Incredible. What a great outfield to start the year. And one you wouldn't imagine. That's why I'm going to love doing this. It gives me a chance to talk about, to highlight, to highlight different teams, to highlight different players. And this first week, if anybody had on their bingo card Stephen Kwan, Seiya Suzuki, and George Springer being the three best outfielders and on Ben Verlander's team of the week, well, one, you'd be a fortune teller because we didn't even have this segment in place yet. But two, you'd be a genius. So good for you. I mean, if that's along the same lines, nobody would have guessed who the pitcher of the week is either. Yep. Tyler McGill of the Mets. He has thrown two times, hasn't given up a single run. He's throwing 99-mile-an-hour bowling balls out there. He steps in for Jacob deGrom, by the way. deGrom is out. deGrom is the best pitcher on the planet. deGrom goes down for hopefully not too long. But he steps in and starts opening day. He was lights out not once, but twice against the Nats and then the Phillies. Buck Showalter on tonight's game against the potent Phillies lineup being a true test for Tyler McGill. I think he answered it, huh? <laughs> I think he answered it, and I would agree with that. All right, last but not least, who would be your closer of the week? My closer of the week is Jordan Romano of the Toronto Blue Jays. He goes in. He's now thrown in four games. He has four saves, four strikeouts, hasn't given up a run. And in a big series, at least at the beginning of the year, he goes into Yankee Stadium, saves both of the games that they won, didn't give up a run. The dude is dominant. Tonight was one for the Blue Jays record book. Take a bow, Jordan Romano. Jordan Romano breaks Tom Hankey's Blue Jays franchise record for consecutive saves with 26. And that streak is still rolling. He did it in Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. So he rounds out my team of the week. He is my closer of the week. Fantastic. And the way we want to wrap up these live shows on Thursdays is getting all the great fan questions in. Yeah. Fan questions for me is something that has always been really important to me. And let me just say why this show is nothing without you guys and i want to just have a way for this show this last show of the week to be fun to be interactive and what way is that possible well before the show whenever we're promoting it whenever we're getting ready for it just reply to the tweet with a question and just like magic it's going to find a way onto the show and i'm going to talk about it and we're going to do this all year and it's just another way for you guys to be involved 
which is something that is very, very important to me. So, Conrad, let's get started. I don't know what these are. Hit me with the first fan question. All right, first one's coming from Randy. Injuries aside, will the Astros really need Lance McCullers back before the All-Star break? Those starting five are outstanding. Great question. My answer would be no. The Astros need him back before the All-Star break. No. Do the Astros need him to win a World Series? Yes. But this Astros team has proven to be really good. The starters are fantastic. In the first four-game series of the year at Angel Stadium on the road with one of the best one, two, three in a lineup that you'll ever find, the starting pitchers gave up four total runs in four games between Romber Valdez, Jake Odorizzi, Justin Verlander, and Jose Urquidy. And then add on top of that Luis Garcia, who was fantastic in his debut. This starting rotation is great. It's underrated. It's not talked about enough. Lance McCullers will be great when he comes back. We all know the pitcher he is. But once he's back, it just adds a whole new dynamic. But the answer to your question on do they really need him before the All-Star break? Well, no, because these other guys have stepped up and proven to be really, really good. Good question. Thank you. All right. Next question coming from Steph's the Goat. Do the Giants have the best rotation in baseball? Steph's the Goat. Do the Giants have the best rotation in baseball? Good question. I am going to say, I'm going to say no right now, but it's in the conversation. And for me, the Giants, just in terms of Major League Baseball and what they have been doing, aren't talked about enough. Logan Webb is a certified star. He is a star. Carlos Rodon, who was in the AL Cy Young conversation last year, comes over. I think he's going to be really good this year. But there's a lot of teams that have a really good rotation. One we just talked about, the Houston Astros. That one's not talked about as the best rotation in baseball, but maybe it should be. The New York Mets, with who we just talked about and is on my team of the week, Tyler McGill at the top, Max Scherzer. Um, Chris Bassett acquired. He's an all-star. Once you get Jacob deGrom back, Ooh, buddy. The, Met, the Mets are the best rotation in baseball. But right now, I'm still going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers. That big three of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. It's just so, so good. But I'm glad you asked about the Giants because they're not talked about enough. And Logan Webb is a star. All right, next question we have coming from Steph. Who's the most exciting and the most underrated team to watch this season? The most exciting and underrated. So I'm going to answer that as... Two tiers. Two, yeah, but one team. So not the most exciting team and also the most underrated team. I'm going to put those both together. The most exciting and also underrated team to watch this season. I'm going to say the Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies are very exciting to watch. That lineup is incredible. But I think they're being a little underrated. The pitching staff is good. And you don't need it to be great. Because they're going to put up a bunch of runs. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, who needs to be better. Um, Kyle Gibson, Ranger Suarez, I think, is going to be good. We're underrating the pitching of the Phillies. I think the Phillies are an underrated team. 
this year, but they're certainly at the very top of my list of most exciting teams to watch. Good question. Oh. Thank you. All right, another one we have from Tim Dwyer. What is the ceiling for Cabrian Hayes in Pittsburgh? I am a big believer in Cabrian Hayes. Big. This guy is young. He's exciting. He was hurt a lot last year. But this guy, in my opinion, is going to be an all-star in this league. I'm not saying this year, but the ceiling, to answer this question, I think he will be an all-star player. That's what I think he is. And, and once this team, and once the Pirates stop sending guys down for service time, and then you can have potentially a left side of the infield of O'Neill Cruz and Cabrian Hayes, whoo, that's going to be electric. But I think he's fantastic. He's awesome defensively. I think he's an all-star player. All right, we got one more for you from Pamela. As a Dodger fan, should I feel optimistic at all about Cody Bellinger? It has been a struggle, but two good games recently. Great question, Pamela. Um, this one's tricky. The Dodgers and Cody, Cody Bellinger last year was abysmal, and I don't think he would say otherwise. It was really, really bad. Then you get to the playoffs. And he was good. Then you get to spring training and uh, just really not good. Then you start the year, not good again. But he's had a couple of days in this past week. He hit a bomb yesterday. Gets two hits. He had another two-hit game. He's hitting around 220. So to answer your question, should you feel optimistic? I would say just a smidge. A very small amount of optimism because look it is a good thing that he now in the course of one week has multiple two hit games that is a good thing but I look at his home run yesterday and I look at the day before that and he punched out a bunch of times and was over that day so I want to be cautious about the optimism I want Cody Bellinger to be good he's an MVP in the league He's a great player. He plays great defense. He can be one of the best players in baseball, but it hasn't been good lately. I want it to happen, but my optimism is minimal to this point. Once he shows it over the course of a month, then I'll start feeling a little better. But because of it, it has been so long since we've seen it, it, it calls for a little bit of concern still. So thank you for that question. This has been an amazing episode, live episode of Flippin' Bats. Thanks for getting your questions in. We're going to be doing this weekly. The last episode of the week will be live. You can get your questions in. You can see our new segments, all of that good stuff. Thank you guys for listening. If you're not subscribed yet, do it. Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, Flippin' Bats Pod. Check it out. Rate it five stars while you're there. We're also on social media, Twitter, Instagram, every episode. If you like watching the video of it, Every episode comes out on YouTube. Check that out as well. But thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. I will see you next week.